talk to you about Jonah, but not a normal, not a normal message on Jonah for sure. Jonah chapter two and verse eight, just a phrase out of Jonah. I like reading through the Bible every year. Uh, as a student of the Bible, having gone to college and studied it in classes in theology and theology and gone with master's program, went further than the bachelor's and then having a life's work, a life's goal to know the Bible. But my goal in life was to know the Bible better than any other knowledge I had. And so it's been my pursuit to do that. It's, I still enjoy reading it from cover to cover. Uh, once a year, I space it out to where I get done right the last week of December. Um, I used to read it twice a year. I did for that for a number of years. Um, and so it's just a blessing to you. It'll build you up. It'll help you. There's nothing like it. And there's really nothing to substitute for it. There's no amount of spoon feeding uh, that you're going to receive that'll help you as much as personally reading the Bible. That's just the best I know to tell you. It is, it's, hard, it's work. You know, that dreaded W-O-R-K, man. Good things come with hard work. And so uh, it'll help you. Oh, they, 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 they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Now, I'm going to teach today, preach, teach, mostly teach probably, on a principle that it, 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 we all must, for our own benefit, must really get a good grip on in the Bible is this principle I'm going to speak about, that you determine your future. You determine your future. Whatever your future ends up being, you have decided. So who are you going to blame? Nobody's going to point a finger at God and blame God. Uh, you're not going to blame the devil. You know the old phrase years ago, the devil made me do it. It's a lie. You have been, by the grace of God, once you're saved, especially when you're born again, You've been cut, the, the power of Satan has been cut. His power cords over, it's been cut. And now you more than ever have a choice of righteousness or unrighteousness. As an unsaved person, under the influence and power and being the blinding of Satan, you have some, uh, you know, some cause to say that you struggle in that area. But really, ultimately, even, even the unsaved people, those who have not trusted Christ as Savior, will determine their own future. They're going to determine what happens for eternity for them. According to the Bible, God has a meter, if I want to call it. The word meter is not in the Bible. Okay, this is me. <laughs> has a meter of sorts on each of us. Um, I had a professor that said, every word that you ever thought or said, God keeps on hard drive. Uh, so, some sort of hard drive in your head, you know. Not the physical brain, but the spiritual brain. And that it will be, and everybody comes before him at the judgment with their own hard drive recording everything they've said in secret, said in the closet, whispered in the dark, thought about somebody. So you, you're already scared, aren't you? You should be. Uh, but this meter records our deeds, our thoughts, our intentions, and our benevolences. Uh, when the Bible says every idle word that a man speak, you'll be give account in that day. Those are Jesus' words. That doesn't have to be negative. You can say good words. Nobody's holding you back. 
You can say, oh, that's Tom Gillespie. Such a wonderful man he is. Such a wonderful friend. Rather than saying, oh, that's Tom Gillespie. You know, you don't have to say negative things. You can, you can cause, in fact, think about praying out loud. Praying out loud is recorded. All you say has been recorded. If every idle word you speak is recorded, surely your prayers are recorded. Well, that's going to be good. Amen. I'm for that. As born-again Christians, especially. Our future in a large part is determined, uh, uh, will be determined on this meter, this recording. The phrase that caught my attention in Jonah 2.8 was, they did observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Now, we know from... 1 Peter 3, 9, that it's not God's will that any should perish. We know that. And from other places of Scripture, we know that God so loved the world, He so loved you, He gave His only begotten Son. We know He doesn't want you to go to hell. We know He wants you to have a future. He says, John 14, to those who trusted Him, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I mean, that, that, that we get the word mansions. I mean, you're going to make a mansion for us, brother. God's preparing a place for him. He loves us. Man, the devil's lied about him and is lying about him, saying he's cruel and mean. It's the devil who's cruel and mean and ruthless and heartless, but not God. God is giving. In fact, really, all real beauty is God, all real beauty, not sensual, wicked beauty, but good, wholesome beauty is of God. The beauty of a redbird, the beauty of a flower, the beauty of a sunset, the beauty of a... Uh, of a gardenia, the smell of a gardenia, I should say more. They're not too beautiful, but they do smell well. Oh, I'm allergic to gardenia. Okay, pick something else. But uh, they forsake their own mercy. Who would do that? Who would forsake their own mercy? Hopefully after this message, you'll be helped some. But each of us determines our own lot, L-O-T, our place in eternity. I get that from Daniel, the book of Daniel. Don't turn there. Daniel chapter 12, verse 13, where it says, But go thou thy way till the end. Angel's talking to Daniel. For thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days, at the end of the age, when things have consummated to the conclusion. It's an interesting phrase, stand in thy lot. Daniel, you know, was only one of two people in the Bible that nothing bad was said about him. Uh, in, in Daniel chapter 9, verse 23, in fact, it says, uh, the angel says, "For I would you like an angel to say this about you, for thou art greatly beloved. That red pop, boy, I was like, wow, thou art greatly beloved, Daniel. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Daniel determined his lot by behavior and reaction. Now you say, well, Daniel, you know, he had it made. No, he didn't. Daniel very likely saw his mom and dad killed in front of him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The Babylonians took uh, Jerusalem. They very likely killed his mom and dad. And they very likely, and I have some real good proof for this, that they castrated him. Castrated. Let me get that right here. Thank you, brother. Castrated him as a 12-year-old boy or so. And that that would have been grueling to go through. I mean, they didn't worry about anesthesia back then. And... uh they, they did that so he, you know, he would be single-minded and they could put him in places with women and he wouldn't be messing around with them. There was reasons why they made eunuchs as slaves, as tools for the king. He was a smart boy. His intellect got used by the people who killed his mom and dad. Now, 
You tell me how you'd have turned out under that. Some of you'd have got so bitter, so angry, so mad, you'd have, you'd have committed suicide, or, or you'd have tried to kill your captor, and they would have killed you. But Daniel understood this as the will of God. The will of God. Well, that goes against health and wealth gospel, doesn't it? Wow, the will of God. But he reacted correctly to it. He trusted God for it. And what did God do? Made him the second most powerful man in the greatest nation of the world, the most powerful nation of the world, Babylon at that time. 127 provinces, they ruled the world. Um, they had the hanging gardens of Babylon, the seven, one of the seven wonders of the world. He got to see that. He was the second most powerful man in that country. And died and, and was taken to a place called his lot. His lot. Daniel determined his future. He determined to reject bitterness. He determined to reject revenge and trust God, even in spite of it being so negative. He said, I'm going to trust God that in the big picture, he didn't understand all of it. Nobody can put their mind around all that. But you, you just trust in the big picture that God is going to somehow take this evil that has happened to me and turn it around for good. And did he not do that? Daniel helped a lot of folks. He did. James in chapter 2, going to New Testament, James chapter 2, verse 13. You, I want you to go to this if you have time to go to this because this is a verse, really you need to know this verse and you know where it's at because this is a powerful verse. James chapter 2, verse 13 has the same principle that we determine our future. For he, he shall have judgment without mercy. I don't know if that gets your attention, but it does mine. For he ha shall have judgment without mercy that has showed no mercy. And mer for mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. Now that's that principle, that meter. In other words, you're going to determine how merciful God is towards you by how merciful you have been. Hmm. That's the same principle. This formula, if I may want to call it that, uh, is, is implemented without respect of persons and without preference. Everyone comes under the same formula. Red or yellow, black and white, we all come under the same formula. In the parable of the pounds in the New Testament, 19th chapter of Luke, uh, their servants, there were three servants. Each uh, of these three servants were given a pound. Uh, you, you know, the, you know the, this, this parable, most of you. The first servant came back, and the Lord gave an accounting. And there will be a day of accounting, by the way, for you and me. The servant came before his Lord, master, and he said, we, I gave you a pound. What would you do? He said, I got 10 pounds. Oh. He said a statement that says, oh, well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, uh, have, ruler, have rulership over or authority over 10 cities. Wow. The other one, he came, the other one came to him and says, I gave you a pound, what'd you do with it? I gave you, what is this pound? It's opportunity. It's life. It's life. It's opportunity. You're living right now. You can walk right now. What are you doing with the gift of walking? 
What are you doing with the gift of sight? What are you doing with the gift of hearing? What are you doing with the gift of speech? What are you doing with the gift of thinking? All those things are gifts because you know people that don't have them. Amen? Go to a nursing home. Go to, go to a place where there's autism or uh, other, other areas of, of mental restriction. They can't do what you do. They can't function. Go to places where their people are crippled, can't walk, or have no legs, or have been born blind. Or born without with deafness. See, there's a whole bunch of, I think, I may have this right. There's 20 million blind people in the United States. Is that possible? 20 million blind people? Is that, is that possible? You know, when I think of that statistic, I, am, I just want to fall on my face before God and say, thank you, thank you, thank you for letting me have sight. I'm unworthy of it. I'm not more worthy than those people that are blind. In God's providence and his choice, he allowed me to have sight. But with that sight. He gives responsibility. Ooh. With my gift of sight, I'm someday going to answer for it. You've been given sight. What would you do with it? Help me maneuver around so I could give the gospel to more people? How'd you use it? Did you use, how'd you use this gift? That's what it's going to be like. Well, this other servant comes up. He says, I gave you a pound. What would you do? And he said, you know, I knew that you were an austere man and that you reaped where you did not sow. And really, he, he, he attacks uh, the, the, the Lord of the vineyard, the Lord of the land. He attacks him. And he says, so I, I just buried it in the ground. I didn't do anything with it, in other words. And so he says, ooh. He called him a wicked servant. He says, and he says, take the pound from the one who didn't do anything with it and give it to him that had ten. The servants around her said, wow, but this guy's got ten. He says, well, here's what he said. Everyone which hath shall be given, and from him that hath not, even he that, even, let me try to read this, right? Even that he hath shall be taken away from him. I'm trying to use the gift of sight here. The servants of God in this parable decided what kind of eternity they were going to have and what was going to happen. Now, this is true not just for the saved people that love Jesus, born again, but it's true also for the unsaved people. If you want to take your Bible to Matthew chapter 11, it's a good idea, verse 22 and 24. You'd want to know where that's at, at least, or that it exists. It's in the book. I'm not making this up. Jesus said, these are red letter. If you have a red letter edition Bible, I recommend it. Not bad to know this. He said, but I say unto you, it should be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou Capernaum, that's just a city beside, on the uh, west side of uh, Sea of Galilee, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee have been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. Now, most of Jesus' miracles recorded in the Bible were done around the Sea of Galilee, around the city called Capernaum. And he said, but I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. The unsaved will have a varied intensity on their punishment and suffering based upon their opportunity and their responses to opportunity in hell. Hell's not the same for everyone. Now, hell is the same as this place. It's a place called the lake of fire. 
Not a popular subject for sure, but real. You know, our health department, we have a measles that have been coming back, right? And you notice they've been talking a lot about it. You notice the health department's been talking about measles. Measles this, measles that, measles this, measles that. How many here had measles? I've had them. So you have measles, and measles, well, be careful, measles, you know, and they're, they're making, oh, they call them the non-vaccinators the non, uh, or whatever, non-vaccers or something like that. People don't want to get vaccinated, you know, and all that, worried about them. Oh, they're going to pollute the whole world, everything's going to die. Now, they've been making a big deal of that, haven't they? Don't you think that's negative? I don't think they should talk about it. Well, that's what people tell preachers to do. I don't think you should talk about hell, preacher, because it's negative. Yeah, it may be negative, but it's going to help you to miss it. Amen? And what the health department's doing is doing very negative advertisement and spending a lot of money doing it. But guess what? What they're doing is trying to help people. Help people avoid measles. I don't want it, again. And I don't want shingles either, by the way, which comes from chicken pox, I guess. How many had chicken pox? Let's take a survey. Look, well, I had chicken pox. Hell will not be the same for everyone. Some will have more tolerable sufferings. Some will have less tolerable sufferings. And listen to this. Some will have intolerable sufferings. I somehow believe Adolf Hitler is probably going to have some intolerable sufferings in hell. I think somehow Mussolini, some of you may not know who that is, that's your history buffs, may not know, but I think Mussolini is going to have it tough when he comes before God, the great white throne judgment, he's cast in the lake of fire. It's not going to be the same for everyone, because why? You determine your outcome. You determine the intensity of, if you're unsaved, you determine by your actions with the light you've been given, the opportunity you've been given, and has everybody been given the same light? Has everybody been given the same opportunity? No. No, absolutely not. Some people have sat in church and heard the gospel and heard the gospel and heard it on the radio, heard it on the TV, heard it in the beach, heard it everywhere, and did not and rejected the Son of God. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. That's Jesus' words, John chapter 3, verse 36. So, some people have had all kinds of exposure to the gospel, and they said, I don't want it. I don't like it. I don't want it. When they stand before the great white throne, which is Jesus Christ, by the way, is going to be the judge of the heaven. He's the judge of the living and the dead. He's going to be sitting there at the great white throne judging each each person judging them on the deeds they did in their body, whether it be good or bad, and we know that they weren't saved, they rejected Christ. The first thing they did wrong was reject Jesus. Then all the things that they did will be on the opportunity they had will be what their future is. Are you scared yet? Romans chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Let me read it to you. Speaking of the unsaved, he says, But after thy hardness and impenitent heart treasureth up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. This is so negative but so helpful. The preaching on hell is one of the reasons I got saved. I had a Sunday school teacher uh, do flannel graph on hell. I got saved. How many got saved around the preaching of hell? Raise your hand. 
Yeah, a lot of you. Some people get saved on the preaching of, of God's grace and God's mercy and his love for you. That's beautiful. It says in, the, in, the, in Jude, which is just one chapter towards the end, by compassion you win some, but also by fear you win some. God, God don't care. He, he wants you to respond either way. He says, this, judge, this righteous judgment of God who will render to every man, saved and unsaved, according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory, honor, and mortality and eternal life, but unto them who are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation, and anguish upon every soul that doeth evil to the Jew first and also to the Gentiles. But glory, honor, and peace to every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. And verse 11 says, for there is no respect of person with God. Nobody has the inside track or special favor. God loved the whole world. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to know the word of God and how to live for him and to do his will. Because he wants you to have a fabulous, wonderful future. You say, well, I don't have a good present. Well, you may not. A lot of Christians have not had good presence. I mean, life here on earth. I'm reading a, uh, a devotional written by Jeffrey Bush, of all people. That he wrote a 71-day devotional. I asked him, where in the world did you come up with 71 days? He said, I ran out of material. But it's on, it's on biographies of, 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 of uh, missionaries who have lived for Jesus. This one missionary, uh, I think it was Borden, his name was. He was ri- yes, he was rich. He was very rich, part of the Borden family. Uh, he died 22 years old, never even hardly got to the field. Brainerd died young, almost never got to the field. This other guy went to this uh, New Zealand, and I didn't know this. They had cannibalism in New Zealand. I didn't know that, but years ago there was cannibalism, tribes of cannibals in New Zealand. So he goes to this island, which was reported as the worst cannibals on the whole area of New Zealand, right? Now I know why I don't go to New Zealand, right? I mean, but anyway, so he, he, he goes to, he takes 10 men with him, and they go on by boat to this island, and they go onto the beach, and the people seem pretty friendly. Then they turn on him, and they kill the first guy, and he runs towards the boat. They kill him in the water. They kill him. They've got him in the water, killed him, and drug all of them up to shore and ate them. That was his life here on earth. So not all Christians' life are like, whoo, what a wonderful life we've had. But brother, the one to come will make up for anything. Paul, which maybe went through as much suffering physically without dying as you can go through, said the sufferings this present time aren't even worthy. Don't even put them up in comparison to what God has prepared for them that love him. Don't even put it up in comparison. God will make up any shortfall you may think there is in this life that somehow maybe you didn't get, but God will make it up for you if you live for him. Well, I'm reading, I'm going back through these, uh, these biographies. I'm getting, I'm getting excited about it. John chapter 5, verse 28, it says, Marvel not, these are Jesus' words, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, all, saved and unsaved, and shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life. That's the only good you can do is by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. That's the only good you can do. 
There is no good thing in us, the Bible says, Romans chapter 3. Not one good thing. No, not one. But if you'll trust Christ, your personal Savior, that's the first good thing you can do. And God will come in with the Holy Spirit and birth you into his family, put your name in the book of life, and then you will begin to be able to do good things. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's in you, God's in you, doing good. And then those things begin to prepare your future, the choices you make. So it says, and some shall come forth, uh, they, and shall come forth they that have done good under the resurrection of life. Those are saved folks. They that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. Now, I don't think he's talking so much in evil, meaning all the little acts, but the point of rejecting Jesus Christ. What's the biggest insult to God the Father that a human being can do? Reject Jesus Christ. Call him a liar. Call him lunatic. Call him crazy. Call him a false prophet. Well, when you stand in front of Jesus at the great white throne judgment, having rejected him, it's not going to go well for you. It won't. And I'm here to help you. Just like the health department's here to tell you, beware of this and beware of that. So I'm here as a spiritual health department telling you, you need to know Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, have all your sins forgiven, and then pick up the opportunity to work for him and to serve him with all your might, all your soul, all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Go for it. Any amount of sacrifice that you may call or we may do for Jesus will be worth every mile of the trip. I want to sing. Like a happy pilgrim who's arrived on that shore and forgot how the waves tossed his ship. When I see Jesus smile, have him say, well done, my child. It'll be worth every mile of the trip. A little too low for me. I can't blame anybody but me because I started out in a key. that was I never claimed I could sing, but I love, I love to sing. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. It's talking Christians primarily there. That everyone may receive the things done in his body according to the done, whether it be good or bad. See, here's the deal. Saved people are not going to have to answer for their sin at their judgment. They're not going to answer for the sin. The sin, the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. But we will answer for the decisions we make with the opportunity we've been given for God. Every day you wake up, you've got all kinds of opportunities in front of you that day. All kinds of decisions you've got out there in front of you. How are you going to use it? What are you going to do? You know, I've chosen to try to cram in as much possible for God in a day. I carry these little gospel tracts around. Because I want to be a witness for Jesus wherever I go. I'm getting ready to go up to North Dakota. From here to North Dakota, there's going to be these little gospel tracks stuck in every little crevice. They'll be stuck in gas pumps. They'll be stuck in people's car windows. They'll be stuck in uh, 7-Elevens. Bathrooms. Everywhere I can go. I've tried to tell people about Jesus and talk to them. i got bumper stickers on my car trying to when they have to sit behind me, try to encourage them for good things. Use what you got for God while you got a chance to use it. You know why? There'll be a day you can't. 
You'll want to, but you can't. You'll want to do it, but you can't. So, do you get it? Do you get it? How important are your decisions? How important are your actions? How important are your deeds? You decide your future. Treat God's will carelessly. Put Him last on your list. Treat Him as an irritant. Reluctantly help His cause. And when you stand before Him, you will have determined your future. However, reject the gospel. Put it off. Miss it. Treat people the way you think you should or, and betray people or rob people, hurt people, damage people, and all the sins and, uh, that, that can be committed. There's just a whole myriad of things against God that you may commit. And you determine the level of suffering in hell, the lake of fire, that you will feel and suffer. You'll not be able to point a finger of God and say, it's your fault. He'll say, I warned you. How do you warn me? He warned you, first of all, the first level of warning is everything he made. The creation is screaming. There is a God, and you are part of his plan and are going to be held accountable to him. I mean, the fact that you've got a conscience is a warning from God that there's a judgment someday. For if there's never going to be a judgment, why did it bother you to steal that cookie you weren't supposed to? Why would it even bother you? But there is a judgment someday. And I want to help you today that your end be better and that you live for God and do His will. Get involved in a local church that's trying to reach the world and do God's will. And man, be all in. I mean all in. Until God says, come home. It's time to come home. And like Daniel, you'll have a time of rest and eventually stand in your lot at the end of days. Father, help us this morning to understand these things from the Bible. Uh, may there not be one person in this room that goes to a place called hell. Don't have to go. The Bible says if you'll confess, oh, if you'll confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Saved from what? Saved from hell. Saved from eternal punishment. Saved from the wrath of God. Jesus' words. Father, may people understand it. May the Holy Spirit explain it. May they not put it off, not one more day. May today be the day. In a moment, we'll have a couple verses of a, a very familiar song. And this is an opportunity for you to come and see somebody in the front here and say, I'd like to pray with somebody. It may not be about salvation. It may just be about something else, but I'd like to pray with somebody. Or maybe you want to pass those folks and just come down with me here on a step. Say, God, help me to do right. Help me that my ending may be to your glory and your honor and your praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, 
Or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you and God bless.